Empire. Welcome to In the Clubhouse, a podcast about the Washington Nationals and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Richard. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Russell from Team 980 Radio here in Washington, D.C. Chris shares his observation from the first week of spring training games, what he thinks about the Washington Nationals pitching prospects, and so much more. So, let's go into the clubhouse. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Richard, you got it. Good to be with you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm very excited. First week of spring training baseball games. I wanted to kind of hear your first impressions of how the Nationals are looking. Yeah, I mean, you know, only getting to see bits and pieces. Um, you know, the wins and losses don't matter. Uh, I know people want to make that matter. I'll, I'll be a little bit more concerned, you know, when we get to March 20th, March 21, March 22, when Davey has indicated indicated that he is going to play his regulars a lot more uh, frequently and longer to ramp them up for a good start April 1st against the Mets. Uh, and the, the April schedule is a little bit daunting, which, you know, maybe we'll have time to get uh, to. So, I'll be a little bit more concerned then, not concerned, uh, you know, by Condra uh, Bogan blowing games left and right and giving up runs left and right. I, I mean, I've been told, you know, that's a guy to keep an eye on in terms of stuff uh, as a developmental guy, but he's not a, a part of the, the mix right now. Um, you know, I, I would say there's been some really good signs, obviously, from, you know, Zim and, you know, a little bit from Robles and, you know, Soto coming back into the lineup and not missing any extended period of time. No major injuries outside of the Lester situation. Max, you know, coming back on Friday night was good. Um, you know, so I would say there's been some some. You know, there's been some concerning things that I know Pete Medhurst and I've, you know, touched on um, on our show, uh, and I'm sure you've covered, and I know we've covered, you know, kind of uh, in, in correspondence together. But I'm not going to go crazy over anything really good or really bad that I see in the first week of games. Yeah, one person that I really loved seeing back in a Nationals uniform and hitting some balls was Ryan Zimmerman. I mean, like. I am a I was a big fan of Ryan Zimmerman, but 2019 like changed my perspective completely about him. And now like I I'm I'm bought in, I'm sold. I never want him to leave. What are your yeah. thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know, it, it's weird because you know, um, I mean, you'd like to say that okay, boy, that year off, um, and and really, it's a little bit more than a year now since they won the World Series you know, may have done Ryan really good, right? Maybe it refreshed him. Maybe it, it mentally recharged him. Maybe, um, you know, physically. I mean, we know how many injuries he's battled. Mm -hmm. uh, but one thing we know, when Ryan is healthy, Ryan can hit. You know, Ryan can hit, period. Um, and, and Ryan's always been able to hit. Um, so if they could get, you know um, – and I don't know how they're going to do this, Richard. I don't know if you have a better answer for this. You know, without the DH and being a National League team uh, and, and with Josh Bell being a switch hitter, with Ryan, you know, like I, 
certainly he does not need to play anywhere close to every day, but, but is it going to be a 50, 50 split? If Ryan is on a tear mm. is, you know, and, and Bell is struggling. What if both are, are performing well? Um, you, you know, I, I guess that puts you in a good spot that if both are performing well, only one can theoretically play uh, in the starting lineup, but you have a, to- a hot guy coming off the bench. But does that cool that guy? I, I don't know how that is going to kind of work. I was really hoping that there would be, look, I hate the DH fight in general, but for the Nationals, I think it actually would have helped them, you know, because uh, they they have some depth. And they have some guys that, hey, you know what, I can keep in the lineup, but maybe spell them in the field and and give them a little refresher, but not have to sit them completely on the bench to where, you know, where they're out of it. And maybe they get out of sync and out of rhythm. And first base is just one of those, you know, particular positions. I mean, there's more, um, you know, but it's going to be an interesting call for Davey. I mean, I assume, I assume Ryan will start against most left-handers, um, but I don't know that for sure. And and I, I can certainly see if Josh Bell is struggling and Ryan is hitting, I can easily see a, you know, somewhat of a 50-50 platoon. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Ryan's ability at first base is unquestioned So like, on yeah. defense. So, like, I, I feel totally comfortable with him at first base. Um, I want to also maybe talk about uh, pitching prospects. Um, this week we saw... Jackson Rutledge uh, pitch, uh, Cole Henry, um, Cade Cavalli pitch. I mean, the future is looking bright, man, for pitching prospects. Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, you know, I, when I I didn't see Rutledge as close as I saw Cavalli the <laughs> other day. I think that was Thursday because we were doing the show or about to do the show uh, on, on T980 when, when Rutledge came on, you know, but I know he looked pretty impressive from, from the little that I saw and from what everybody was buzzing about uh, on Twitter. And at 68250, if he's got his mechanics in order and if he, uh, you know, can continue to develop, he's going to be a, a, a <laughs> he's going to be a force. Uh, Cavalli, you know, he got himself in some trouble in his one inning of work a, a, again against the Mets on on Thursday, I believe it was. You know, he he, he had you know an errant throw. Uh, there was um, uh, there was something else that happened that I'm uh, maybe a, I think it was a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know, yes, he's going against the bottom of the Mets order, and yes, it's the fourth game of spring training. But then he, he he gets out of trouble on his own by blowing people away. Now, again, you know, that's not going to be as easy uh, as maybe it, it looked at the end of his inning on Thursday. Uh, but it was certainly encouraging, right, that they didn't have to roll over the inning, Richard, that they didn't have to bring in somebody else, that they, you know, he didn't get whacked around for two, three runs. You know, one of the things that, you know, it reminded me of as I was watching that inning uh you remember when Strasburg was was young in his career um, and and as dominant as he could be and as dominant as he was when 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 things around him would unravel, meaning bad defense, bad calls by the umpire, terrible, humid weather, he would melt like an ice cream. Yeah, bowl, that's a good point, you know. And so Cavalli to do that, again, it's a very small sample size, Mm -hmm. very small sample. So I want to be careful. (laughs) Of course. But, you know, that's kind of like I love to see that in a young guy that they have kind of a fearlessness, if you will. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that I bring up a good point. I didn't. I I kind of remember uh, Strasburg like that, and I feel like 2019 or like the 2018 se- season is when he like really yep. um, like changed that perspective and he got more comfortable with the with the stress and stuff like that. I'm actually really, I'm really excited to see him pitch. I'm I'm kind of a little disappointed that he hasn't uh, thrown off the mound yet. Strasburg, you mean? yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I look. Um, I, I'm of the thought. Um, you know, you said you're disappointed, and I understand that. I'm of the thought that with that guy, you've got to really make sure. I mean, even with Schurz, you know, I was a little surprised he was in there on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking mid-next week sometime. Uh, you know, uh, originally when we found out about the sprained ankle. Um, but that's okay. I mean, they, you know, he knows his body better than obviously I do, and they know what he's dealing with certainly better than I do. So, you know, you have to trust them to some degree. But if 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 they're holding Strasburg back, I'm okay with that because, and this was my problem all along when we first found out about the injury day two of the season last year against the Yanks on a Saturday afternoon, and then subsequently with rushing him back out there five days later, which I think was a terrible, terrible misjudgment by them and Strasburg, no matter what the situation turned out to be. Um, You know, when you have the kind of injury that he ultimately had in the pitching hand, you know, um, anything with the pitching hand, the elbow, the, the shoulder, obviously, you need to, like, take extra 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 precaution Mm. you know like like max with a sprained ankle yes that's one thing that certainly it can affect his mechanics yes got it but anything to do with the especially with a injury prone guy like strauss you need to make sure you take extra precaution they did not last year and it cost them so to me i'm more than okay with them taking every ounce of even if for whatever reason, he's not ready to go to start the year, game two, game three. You know, we were talking about this on the radio show. I don't know how you, you know, kind of size it up, but, you know, most teams don't need a fifth starter um, to start the year, right? So you already have a situation with Lester where we don't know if he's going to be ready. You could have a situation with Strasburg where we don't know if he's going to be ready, assuming that uh, Corbin and Scherzer and 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 Fetty and, and, and uh, Joe Ross are – you know, basically already, right? You could have those, you know, four guys basically be your starters for the first week, week and a half of the season, because I don't think you'll need a fifth starter until you get into that first road trip at the Dodgers, at the Cardinals mid-April, you know? So they, I think, can afford to, I don't want to say take their time, Mm -hmm. but really be cautious in terms of how quickly they get these guys ramped up. I think you bring up a very good point about Strasburg. You know, obviously the the injury history is important to think. I just feel like, you know, for the fans and for... Um, people that are watching the games really closely, like seeing Strasburg kind of pitch after such a like a weird injury, like what happened last season, um, I think would relay a lot of um, you know calm people down a little bit, being like, okay, oh, is you're this? Right. You're right. I, I mean, I am. I I totally understand that. But but he, here's my counter to that. Mm. Just while we're on that, yeah, is. I want to see him pitch in June and July and August and September and hopefully October. I, I'm, I'm willing to be patient in March, you know? Um, and, and, and again, I can't accuse them of being, uh, of, I can't accuse them of being a little bit reckless and over aggressive last July 
and then come back and say, no, 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 I need to see him on March 6th or March 7th or March 8th. You, you, you see where I'm coming from? I see, from? Right, I yeah. Have to be, in my analysis, not being a doctor, not being a trainer, not being Davey Martinez, not being Jim Hickey, not being Mike Rizzo, in my very novice analysis, I have to be consistent and say, if, they, if I thought they rushed him back and, and rushed through the process and it cost them last July, then I have to be extra patient here in March. And even if it costs me a, a starter or two potentially in April, I have to be willing to look big picture. And um, I think it's a good segue to my next question. Um, big picture, like, do you think this team has it in it to go the, the distance? Um, in terms of winning the division? I'm saying, like, maybe winning the division, wild card, playoff, and possible, you know, yeah, deep run. I definitely think they're going to be a division contender. I don't know if they win the division just because the Mets are, are improved in, in, in any kind of measurable way, uh, unless something happens to DeGrom, um, you know, or I guess a major injury to Frankie Lindor or, or, or Pete Alonso or something like that. I think their bullpen will be a little bit less of a disaster. I think the Phillies bullpen will be a little bit better. Uh, I think the Phillies rotation will be a little bit better. It, I don't think it's still good enough. Um, you know, and, and then the Braves are the wild card, right? Some people are down on them. Some people are uh, kind of stable and that's where I am with them. I think the Braves are a 90 ish win team, you know, it could be 89, could be 91, 92, depending on health and how things play out. I think their bullpen certainly could use some sprucing up. I think their bullpen is questionable, but, you know, being that they had the left-handed closer, Will Smith, who uh, they got, you know, like, they, can they get by in the first two months of the season without major help? Sure. Um, as far as the Nationals go, listen, I, I you know, Richard, I, I, I think this is the best bullpen by far that they have ever had. On paper, in reality, in my mind, in my heart, Mike Rizzo, he, look, I don't know a, a lot of things about a lot of things, but I've been screaming for years that the Nationals' disregard of their bullpen would eventually catch up to them. And it almost, and it really did in the first 50 games of 2019. And even before that, in 2018, it was a disaster too. And Mike Rizzo had to fix it. And the learners had to learn the hard way that you can't just cheapen out on the bullpen. And so what I look at right now is I look at a veteran starting staff who, yes, has some significant injury worries and concerns, and that's Scherzer, Strasburg, Lester already, although that seems to not be like a major thing, uh, and, and, and so on, right? And then I look at a bullpen that now is, again, by far the best they've ever presented. And I mean, that includes the days of the law firm and, you know, all of that stuff. I mean, please, when you can go, you know, Huddy and 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 um, and uh, and Brad Hand on the back end and mix and match and you know if 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 the Braves have Freeman and uh, you know another left hander in the eighth Brad Hand could come in and the and, and Huddy could come in the ninth and they could flip it and then you have you know the depth that they have that they've added between you know over the last couple of off seasons between Will Harris uh, and obviously um, you know Wander Suero continuing his development and I know he's a little inconsistent. Um, but but then also, um, you know, some of the other arms that 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 they've been able to present uh, on the back end. To me, I think again, um, provided that 
there isn't like some significant rash of injury, I think this is the best bullpen that they've had. So this is the long-winded way of saying, yes, I think they can contend. Yes, I think they can win the division if reasonable health is is had and not, you know, just and you're not just absolutely littered with season ending injuries. Um, and, and the and the biggest reason why I think they can contend for the division, why I think they certainly can contend and should maybe get a wild card spot is because the bullpen, I believe, is so much better and so much more of a strength. And I would even argue and I have argued that it might right now on paper be the strength of the team. And I know everybody's going to say you're nuts, you're crazy, you're this, you're that. I'm saying like health wise is a big thing. Durability is a big thing. And I don't, I don't necessarily trust this starting rotation to stay healthy for 162. But I think the bullpen has enough mixing and matching in arms where they can, you know, where, where they can shorten up the games for the starters and, 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 and hopefully not tax the starters as much as they've been taxed in years past. I mean, I agree with you 100% about the bullpen. I wrote an article and, you know, you obviously, um, you know, tweeted out and talked about it on your show. So I'm with you on ter- in terms of the bullpen. I think it's like n- a nice relief <laughs> for uh, for fans. Um, I also want to jump really quickly um, to the outfield, a little bit infield, Victor Robles. Um, you know, he's getting some starts at uh, leadoff. He looks really good. Um you know the defense was never like an issue, but more like the bad look. The batting was the concern. Um, he's more patient. Um, what are your impressions so far? Yeah, I, I mean, um, so what? What I've seen of him, he's still a little antsy with two strikes, and I think he's still going to chase some pitches and be a little over aggressive uh, with two strikes, and and that's okay. Um, you know, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't think you want to say, hey, listen, dude, um, we need you to on base every single at bat. So, you, you you know, with two strikes, you have to shorten up and you have to be really guarded. And, you know, because then that takes away some of his aggressiveness and some of what makes Victor, you know, a potentially appealing leadoff hitter. Right. Because mm-hmm. we know he's got good raw power, um, but we know he's got to get better pitch selection. Uh, better, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, more pitch savvy, uh, if you will, and, and, and more aware of, hey, you know what, you don't have to jerk everything, uh, just get on base, work a walk, work the count, whatever. So I think I've seen some small signs of that. Obviously, I want to see it, you know, against on an everyday basis or, or uh, you know, against like legitimate big time starting pitching uh, when the season starts to, to really know what I'm seeing glimpses of that being said, we know he's got speed. We know, you know, so we know he's got some raw power. Um, So if he can fix that part of his game, you know, I like that idea because it allows you to put Trey in the three spot. You can do whatever you want with Soto you can have Soto in the two spot if you're going up against the left-hander. You break up the righties and the lefties uh, a little bit. Again, we mentioned Bell, mm-hmm. Zim, their right-hander. So you know you're 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 kind of okay, I think, when going against a tough left-hander. Obviously, right-handers present a different challenge. But you know, what I wonder is, you know, if if Victor if Victor gets off to a good start and then struggles say four or five games right and and i think that can be the rope 
you know, does Davey get impatient and then flip the script and, and just basically goes back to what works and what he knows works, which is, you know, Trey in the, in the leadoff spot. But remember, you know, with, without Adam Eaton, right, mm-hmm. it might not be the same for Trey either. Now, that's part of the reason why I'm, I, I'm interested in Soto being in the two spot because my argument and this holds true for Victor, and it would hold true if Trey has to go back there, ultimately, some days, all days, whatever, is if Soto's in the two spot, then I know that most teams have to come at Trey or Victor. In ter- they can't pitch around them. They can't throw them tons of junk, right? Mm-hmm. They have to kind of come at them because, well, guess what? If you get them on base by throwing junk and by being, you know, um, uh, and not coming after them, you know, then they could easily be, you know, on first, second, whatever it might be. And in a run scoring position for Juan Soto. Right. Mm. So uh, again, long winded, sorry. Um, (laughs) I, I think, I think if Victor can show consistency, I don't need him to hit 325. I don't need him to have it on base of, you know, some, Something ridiculous. I just need him to be consistent and not be an eyesore because I think the the lineup will help him. Soto two, Trey Turner three, if that's what they ultimately wind up doing in terms of pitch selection. And I think he will see better pitches than he did maybe at the bottom of the lineup when teams can kind of jerk around a little bit with him uh, and make him see more junk. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, but that's just how I see it. No, I think there's. A- this is a very good uh, discussion. I guess something that we're excited to actually talk about opposed to trades and signing. So this is good. Um, I want to kind of just briefly talk about, um, you know, the very fact that, you know, it seems that DC, the DC government is, you know, allowing baseball to happen in the Nats, um, but they're not allowing fans uh, to, you know, attend games right now. Um, you know, it seems like that um, other cities, uh, L.A., I saw, or California, New York, I mean, those were pretty, you know, hot uh, hot spots for COVID. They're going to be allowing some sort of fans back in the stadium. Um, I just kind of want to get your uh, opinion on that. Like, do you, I, I kind of feel like the fans are missing out. I know that there will be some people that say, you know, obviously safety is important. And no matter what day, opening day is, it doesn't matter because we'll mm-hmm. still celebrate. I just... I just kind of want to get your thoughts on the situation. So, you know, it's an interesting situation. Uh, You know, again, Pete Medhurst and I talked about this at length. Um, I think Wednesday or whenever that letter came out from, uh, you know, the D.C. Public Health and Safety Mm -hmm. uh, Department, I think it was Wednesday of of last week. Um, And and I understand where you're coming from. Um, The one thing that I would keep in mind is you know, if, if they're only going to allow, say, roughly 2,000 fans in, right? And, and I'm just making that yeah. number up, um, you know, in the first wave. Maybe it's 4,000. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, 10% of, you know, roughly a 40,000-seat stadium. You know, are the learners going to want to do that when you have to look at the cost of mm. – having extra security, extra ushers, extra concessions, uh, extra people to monitor and regulate not only in the seating bowl, but also at the concession stands, on the concourse, 
uh, in the outfield area, like, you know, behind sections 106 and 107, uh, up on, you know, by Shake Shack and, and, yeah. and, and right field and right center and all of that stuff. Are they going to want to do that if only three or 4,000 people are allowed in the ballpark? And, 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 and again, that sounds crazy because you'd say, well, yeah, of course, but how much extra personnel compared to if zero people are there, which is what I believe will be the case on Thursday, April 1st against the Mets, how much extra personnel are they going to have to have? How hard is it going to be to regulate and maintain that? How much is it going to cost them? And is there a return financially for them, which I believe is very, very, very important to them? Um, how much is that going to be worth it for them? So I, I this is me. I'm sure they would love to have three, four, five thousand fans in, but they're going to look more at cost than I believe some other owners will. And I'm not saying they're the only ones because I think that factored into the Washington football team's decision, quite honestly, after they opened up the gates to 3,000 fans and then shut it down as numbers started to rise. I'm not saying it was the only mm -hmm. decision deciding factor, but I believe it was a factor, right? So I wonder what happens. I wonder if we go from zero to say at the end of April, when they come home after their second road trip and say they take on the Marlins, and I think it's Friday, April 30th, right? Which gives more and more and more and more people time to get vaccinated and, um, and the numbers hopefully continue to go down. I wonder at that point if maybe they'll be allowed to have seven or 8,000 fans into the ballpark to start that third homestand of the year. Maybe it'll be on the second homestand, Richard. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just guessing. But I, I think that would be more appealing to the learners to have to go from zero to eight or nine or 10,000 as opposed to from zero to 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000. You know, it's a good point. I didn't really think of, uh, think about the financial part for the learners. I kind of I'm always looking for, from it from a fan's perspective. Um, I know that as soon as I'm able to go back in the stadium and that, you know, obviously I got to talk to my wife about it, too, like. I'm getting there. Like, there's nothing stopping me. I miss. I miss sitting in the in at Nats Park watching baseball. Um, talking about watching baseball, um, I wanted to kind of talk about the the media situation of covering the team. Um, you know, this spring training, Masson is not really having any uh, games televised. Um, anything that's at the you know spring training facility um, is like radio and there's even some blackouts i know that you uh team 980 9980 is doing something 1067 the fan um they're all doing that stuff like i just kind of feel like the fans are missing out and you know are really the ones that are getting hurt here in the situation what do you think uh major league baseball should be doing here so um you know I Obviously, it goes without saying that the Maston situation is a, a major, major, major problem, thorn in the side of everyone, right? Of the Nationals, mm -hmm. of Major League Baseball, uh, of the fans, uh, all of that. So um, very, very disappointing, obviously, that they are planning officially, or not officially, because I don't even think they made an official statement, but th that their plan was to not do any uh, spring training games. Now, I, I did read something late last week that said they're thinking maybe of, of doing three or four for each, the Orioles and the Nationals, but later in spring training, 
thing. So if that's what it turns out to be, I mean, I guess that's better than nothing. But I would also remind everyone, and I've said this on the radio, so I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to instigate. I'm not trying to, you know, do anything. From a Masson perspective, from a business perspective, you know, they're launching the app, which allows people to watch the games now digitally on their phones and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and, and I know, you know, there'll be restrictions and you got to be in certain areas and all that stuff, but they're launching the app, right? That does take a lot of money and a lot of manpower and uh, and, and technology and, and maintenance and all of that stuff. That has been a big, 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 big and rightful complaint of the fan base that Masson has not had that. So hmm. if, if, if that's the exchange for a couple of spring training games in late February and early March, I'm okay with that. If that's the exchange for, you know, look, I don't want anybody to have lost their jobs. Um, but if they needed to trim some costs and they need Bob Carpenter and FP Santangelo to work an extra 15 minutes a day. Okay. You know, like I get that. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not reckless in this regard that I don't understand business to some degree. Remember they are a baseball only network. They have a terrible product in the Orioles. Okay. Mm -hmm. That nobody really is juiced up about and hasn't been for two years and won't be this year. Maybe there'll be a little bit of buzz about the Orioles. Okay, whatever. But then they have the Nationals. But remember, they didn't even get to benefit ratings-wise and revenue-wise off of a national off of a World Series championship. Not to mention they don't get to do anything in the postseason outside of pre and post games, you know, which is fine, whatever. But that's not the games. That's not the crown jewel. So they didn't get to benefit off of this organization winning a World Series and bringing in the extra ratings and the extra revenue and the extra interest and the extra exposure for the rest of Masson's lineup. The, 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 the COVID vaccine, uh, I'm sorry, the COVID shutdown, and particularly to a network like Masson was beyond crippling. If you look at Yes up in New York, Richard, they have at least, you know, look, everything was shut down, got it. No, everyone was affected, but they at least have the Brooklyn Nets. They have other programs. Masson has a bunch of college basketball that nobody cares about, or largely nobody cares about, and that's it. And they have the Orioles and the Nationals. How many Nationals classics and Orioles classics can you possibly show? So to me, um, I'm okay as long as I'm okay as long as they um, continue to do the right. I'm sorry, as long as they have 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 built up the digital um, elements of the broadcast, which it appears that they have done and that it's not a complete disaster. And I would like them to, yeah, do two or three games last week of March. That type of thing is a little warm up for spring. Chris, you're always a, a, a reason, a voice of reason. So my last question before I let you go, um, predict your the opening day lineup for the Nationals. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. So, you know, we're, we're looking at Jacob deGrom, right? Yeah. Uh, for the Mets. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty much been determined. Right. So, um, so here's what I would do. Um, and, and, and this is, this is just me. Um, I, I, I think what Davey is going to want to 
established right away is yes, Victor Robles, we're going to try him in the leadoff spot, not just against lefties. You know, even though Jacob deGrom is a bad, bad man, we're going to try and get him going. So Robles, I think Soto, Trey in the three spot. I think probably Josh Bell gets that first start uh, against deGrom. He, uh, he's in the cleanup spot. Uh, then I think um, I think Schwarber in the five spot playing left field. Um, I think um, then I think um, probably Carter Keyboom uh, at, at third um, in the sixth spot. Then Jan Gomes as your catcher in the seventh spot. And then in the eighth spot would be either Luis Garcia or Josh Harrison, depending on where they go. Uh, and at second there, question becomes is, you know, uh, and, and then obviously the pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, which we presume will be Max uh, at nine. And then you have, you know, guys like Stevenson and presumably, um, you know, Harrison or uh, uh, again, uh, Luis Garcia and hopefully Starling Castro is healthy and, and okay. And, 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 and guys like that coming off the bench. So that's how I see it to start out the year. I, you know, um, I think again, they'll mix and match early on at first base and try and get both guys into a little bit of a rhythm. Obviously Gomes, you know, doesn't have to play more than 105, 110 games or whatever, if he's healthy and Avila is healthy. Uh, so that's how I kind of see it. I, I don't know if you agree. Yeah. I think it's great. I like I like the idea of uh, Soto number two. I'm going to have to noodle on that a little bit to see um, how, <laughs> if that. Chris, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, we'll be listening, um, and we'll, hopefully let's talk about baseball um, after opening day. We're, we're doing it every day at 5 o'clock in the 5 o'clock hour on uh, Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and Radio.com. So please, please, please uh, listen. We had a great interview with Brad Hand, uh, the uh, Nationals' new relief pitcher, uh, earlier in the week. And, uh, you know, uh, and I appreciate all your support. And you guys are, uh, are doing great information, uh, you know, and stuff that I can't possibly uh, access and get my hands on. So, Richard, I appreciate you and uh, look forward to working with you. And uh, let's hope that fans can get in the ballpark soon and we can have a hot dog together and, a, and an ice cold beer. So. I agree so much. Thank you so much, Chris. And this will Thank do you, it Richard. for this episode of In the Clubhouse. If you like this episode, please make sure to like, review, and rate this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And you can follow us on all the major social media channels at The Nats Report. 